0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Editor Knows Best. My name is Katira Poland. I am the hostess of the show and also the CEO of Love for Words, which is a nonfiction editing boutique. Um, before we jump into our special guest today, just a reminder, Editor Knows Best airs every two weeks, Monday nights, 7 p.m. Eastern. Anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find Editor Knows Best. And thank you all for tuning in. Again, I'm glad to have you back. So as I share, we have a very special guest. Um, Since his time as a youth running around Bay Street, he always wanted to be something bigger than himself, something with real purpose. Early on, that took him onto the football field as a quarterback for Bishop Kearney High School. Later, it led him to pursue a teaching degree so that he could be better positioned to mentor and be a part of his community's support system. Determined to fight the cradle to prison pipeline, he continued to work at Freedom School as a site coordinator every summer while pursuing degrees in business management and childhood education at St. John Fisher. Year after year under his coordination, Freedom School was a community exemplar of how to fo- foster a love of reading, increased student reading scores, cooperative economics, social action, and civic engagement. When Freedom School ceased operation in 2020, he gathered a group of former Freedom School teachers, students, parents, researchers, and community members to form the Freedom Scholars Learning Center, which is located in Rochester, New York. So today's special guest is Mr. Jeremy Smith, and he's the executive director of the Freedom Scholar Learning Center in Rochester, New York. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jeremy. I'm excited to have you on the show.
1: Oh, definitely, this is a pleasure. This is something that you know I've been hearing so much about and now I get to actually share this platform with you. So thanks
0: awesome. again. You're welcome. So I know you're not an author yet, I know you got a book <laughs> for you, but I know you do a lot of work in the community yeah. around literacy. So mm-hmm. I would love for you to share and I know the audience would love to know more about how Freedom, Freedom Scholars specifically um, incorporates literacy and the importance of literacy for the students that you work with?
1: Yeah, um, so uh, Children's Defense Fund Freedom School was something that initiated the Civil Rights Movement out in the 60s. Uh, Marion Wright Edelman is President uh, Emeritus. Uh, she currently stepped down, but uh, I believe Lakia Scott is now the new executive director. And the model is infused of getting kids to fall in love with reading. you know. And one of the biggest pillars that, you know the research for CDF Freedom Schools in all the freedom schools across the country that most of us have found is that you get kids fall in love with reading by reading about books that really represent their experience, right? And when I say experience, I'm talking about everything from, you know, things that they go through on a day to day and things that may, you know, uh, cause, you know, um, not really struggles, but things that really, you know, tie into what their, their, their upbringing is. And most importantly, their upbringing and transitioning from that to their successful patch to adulthood. So the books that they read, you know, are all about those particular barriers that they may come across or the successes that they may come across in the communities that they live in. And it's about characters and, and settings that, you know, look and represent the things that they go through. Right. So when you have that, that relation and that connection, that's in literal words and actual, you know, um, in the context of which you not just understand but you live. I mean, I don't know no other way to get kids to fall in love with reading than that, you know. So um, the, the model tends to do that, and the model that they use is called the integrated reading curriculum. So it's not like your typical reading where you know you sit in the classroom. Don't get me wrong; there's guided instruction inside the IRC. Uh, there is some guided reading in the IRC. There is some read aloud in the IRC. Uh-huh. But the great thing about the integrated reading curriculum, which is the IRC, is that it, it breaks the lessons down or it breaks the books down in corporate, excuse me, an activity. So it's an activity-based way of going about reading books. Uh, every lesson starts off with, you know, an opening activity where we have kids engaging, you know, and um, what I tell my server leaders, which is our teachers, to really engage in using, you know, uh, graphic organizers to stimulate the kids' interest. in reading. Right? So the opening activity for every uh, lesson that's tied to the text starts off with some type of, you know, opening activity. And to me, that's the great time to kind of use an informal way of getting what kids know or what kids want to know, right? So that time we actually tap into opening up with a KWL chart. We may open up with a Venn diagram where there's some debate going on about, you know, similarities and differences, or maybe just to cover, right? Before we even get into the book, Um, you know, um, using those uh, T-charts, Right. Um, using web charts, all that stuff is where, you know, the open activity. And we use that not just to, you know, break down the material in early stages, but we use it to really stimulate their interest. Sometimes kids, you know, they like learning through visual. Mm -hmm. Graphic organizers are all about visual, you know, um, and and words too. So uh, we start off with that. It it goes right into the main activity. And then each main activity is basically the meat of the book. You're reading it, you're breaking down Um, story, you're breaking down plot, you're breaking down characterization, right? And then there's time for um, questions. And some of the questions that are derived during the reading, you know, it really forces kids not to really, you know, answer the easy questions like, you know, yes or um, or the yes or no questions or questions that are around, you know, those lower end of the higher order thinking. The questions that we utilize are based upon using the Bloom's taxonomy. So, Blue and kind of forces those kids to kind of think outside the box mm-hmm. and really go in depth about, you know, really answering questions that kind of, you know, force them to think more critical about the material. And even though it's just for that book, what Blue and is really preparing them for is to have a critical thinking and little terminology in general, right. right? So every, especially when you see that in every lesson, right? Every lesson is pulling you a little bit deeper than the, the, the lesson before. Every book is pulling you a little bit deeper in the book before, so when you're constantly getting that, you know, you start to think that way. So, um in the main activity towards the end of the reading, whether it's a group reading, a pair reading, um a large group re- reading, whether right? it's so a read aloud, whatever that reading section of the text is, however that style is, uh, no matter what, the Bloom's taxonomy forces you to ask these questions at the end in this particular way. And one thing that I've seen from kids, you know, engaging in the main activity during the IRC is that it really kind of holds them accountable for not just being able to say I read it and I can answer the what, when, why, where, and how questions, right? We need to go a little bit deeper. And the main activity does that uh, with those blue taxonomy type of questions. And then right after the um, main activity, we go right into, you know, the corporate group activity. So, and this is the same lesson. This is not another lesson. This is all in the same lesson. So the corporate group activity allows kids now to engage in collective work. Right, so there may be some activities, and this is where that project based learning comes in, and also you know, that social and emotional learning particular uh, aspect because now you got kids being able to work with each other. Right, the teacher's no longer visibly leading a lesson, now kids are working together, you know, and uh, that's when the fun comes in, the creative juices come in. Right, uh, it's a lot of stuff that usually happens in within that, but some things that I can remember. Uh, keenly is, you know, this is a time where I've seen students have to rewrite the story or have to rewrite the title Mm -hmm. or if that was you, you know, in that particular situation, how would you handle it and why, you know, stuff stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. um, what I love about it is that it forces kids to kind of collaborate and work together Mm -hmm. and, you know, they have to produce something together. And there's times where I tell you where, you know, kids are struggling because, Oh, this young man right here—he—he—he he, he doesn't want to do this, or I want to do this, and she's trying to do this, but somebody else has to do the other part. But it's kind of getting them to be able to work through those constraints, because you know, in this 21st century world that we live in, that's a skill that you gotta have—being able to work with people from different backgrounds, uh, different different areas of life that you know you may not know nothing about. So, um, the corporate group activity again is teaching them more than just that lesson, but it's teaching them, preparing them for it. You know, the 21st century skill that they need to be able to engage in, you know, working with diverse people from diverse backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So, after the corporate group activity, uh, they go into some either conflict, yeah, I believe it's conflict resolution, yeah. Or is it, so, no, excuse me, yes, yeah, conflict resolution or social action. During that time, is it either a combination of one or the other or a combination of both, where there's a point in the actual literature that the kids could take from the text and apply it in real life situations. Okay. So, for instance, there's a book that we read that was called uh oh my god, I slipped my mind. Um, it's about the sit-ins in the Greens, uh the North Carolina sit-ins
0: mm-hmm. during
1: the in, in Greensboro, North Carolina. And during this actual sit-in, these four individuals were protesting, you know. Um I think it's Freedom on the Menu. Exactly. That's what it's called, Freedom on the Menu. And during this book, you know, these young men, you know, and this is a real life story about how uh, they went to a restaurant that was predominantly, you know, uh, prejudiced Mm -hmm. towards Blacks and didn't allow Blacks to, you know, um, eat and um, wouldn't be served. And Mm -hmm. they went in there and they protested, you know. Mm -hmm. And during that protest, I mean, from everything from being spit on to being beaten to being food thrown on them, you know, they were horribly, you know, disrespected. And, uh, you know, a lot of kids would say, why would they sit there and let that happen, you know, but the bigger thing was, you know, these four individuals were following the insights of MLK about, you know, being violent won't get us nowhere. The nonviolent ways of protestants would get us somewhere. And they were doing that. And, you know, the kids could understand that. But as we got towards the end of the book, you know, um, they understood that, you know, it was all in the name of trying to get equality for our people. And, you know, that was a hard pill to swallow in the beginning. But again, by breaking down the questions, by breaking down the literature, they understood that um, this is a this is a way that, you know, really got us through. And being violent would only cause more, you know, um, barriers for us to get what we need. So um, it was good to see that they had growth in that book. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, they definitely didn't understand why anybody right. let to do that to them. So right. what we did is we did a reenactment of that. We did a reenactment of that. And we did an actual skit. But each group had to come up with a skit of how they would have handled it based upon how the text broke it down Mm -hmm. and some of them wrote poems you know they wrote poems of how you know they would have dealt with it you know because they didn't want to do a skit but the good thing about it was all about dealing with you know something that wasn't a text that they were able to tie it to real life application Mm -hmm. and that's that social action piece you know and um to piggyback off that Um, The other component, the conflict resolution piece, is usually identifying a major problem that's in the text, Mm -hmm. where kids can actually figure out, okay, this is the problem. And not just highlighting the problem, but, you know, most people don't understand that it's important that we fall in love with the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, Fall in love with the problem is a solution. And most people, they may say, that's crazy. What do you mean by that? Well, um, if you don't love something enough to want to change it, you don't love it enough, or you Mm -hmm. don't want to change it. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, when I get kids, I understand the importance of and and what that means is that it's going to be exhaustive. It's going to take a lot of time. Like these things that are put in place, usually, especially if they're systematic, you know, it is still changing. You know, you got to take some time with it. So you got to fall in love with the problem. That's one thing that I feel that uh, that comfort resolution thing or Mm -hmm. comfort resolution component of the lesson. It does that. It allows kids to actually fall in love with the problem to the point where now they're creating grounded solutions. So that way, not only would it solve this problem, but it also kind of, you know, lays the ground for groundwork for any future problems that may look like this and how to figure out how to solve it in this particular way. Sometimes mm-hmm. kids get, get these problems through the form of a character dealing with this problem and, and that character choosing this option to deal with it, that gives them insight to deal with some of the problems that that character dealt with, mm-hmm. how to deal with it in the real life, right? so. Mm-hmm. Uh, that conflict resolution part is very very important and I tell staff all the time uh, even if the book doesn't highlight a real conflict resolution let's make sure we find a conflict resolution activity to kind of you know highlight problem solving uh, through literacy so and then after that we wrap it all up with a closing activity Um, the closing activity is an opportunity for kids actually you know engaging you know uh, sharing their work Uh, maybe it's something in which you know uh there's a continuation piece that has to go on for the next part of the lesson which we highlight during that part but it's really to bring a wrap to that actual lesson of that day that week or those days and uh that's the irc and each irc is usually tied to the theme so uh, when i say theme freedom school has more well, national freedom school children's defense fund um the way they want most freedom schools to operate throughout the country is on a theme base or a sub sub weekly theme base so in week one of a summer program or in week one of your after school or month one in your after school program, um, it will be focused on books that talk about making a difference in yourself, right? And then usually week two or month two of this after school program will be something focused on, you know, uh, family or making a difference in family and then making a difference in your community and then making a difference in your country and then making a difference in your world. And then uh, with hope, education and action is like the final week or the final months, of uh, the program so um, these books tie into those particular sub-weekly themes. so mm-hmm. during the third week of program you'll have kids reading the books about community you know a lot of books that highlight you know things that are going on in their community so mm-hmm. um, that's the integrated reading curriculum and that's how we engage in kids to fall in love with reading at freedom schools and especially at freedom scott
0: awesome thank you so much for that background information um, and sharing mm-hmm. more about what that looks like and how it helps the students and keeps them engaged, and also that you're pulling in your staff to make sure that you know what they're mm-hmm. learning is practical and can be applied, and not just in the theory mm-hmm. space. So, how exactly. do you <laughs> how do you choose the books for the curriculum? Good question. Um, the books are chosen
1: for us. Um, the books have, we have a whole curriculum that's written out for you usually. Okay. So once you receive your curriculum guide or your curriculum, yeah, your curriculum guide, it's about, it's pretty thick. And it has, you know, because um, level ones and level twos, depending the lower grade levels, which is basically K through fifth grade, they read about four to five books per week. Okay. So, um, and then as we get into the older grades, which is level three, six through eighth, eighth grade, those, uh kids they or those scholars they tend to read chapter books so they take a little bit longer to break down in terms of timing so they mm-hmm. usually go for about a week each book is about a week long to break down and fully uh engage in throughout that uh, process um but the books are chosen for us um the good thing about it is that it's so many different books um for each grade level that well especially the younger grades that you may have uh maybe two-thirds of library for them, but you may not have the other quarter, but Mm -hmm. it's enough to get you through your program. And then the next year, you can order those particular books that you didn't have, and now you have the full uh, components or the full capacity of books that you need. But Mm -hmm. um, the books are chosen for us. They're all cultural reflective. Again, like I said, um, they're books that really focus on, you know, the experiences that these kids live in the Mm day-to-day world. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that I do see that CDF is doing because, you know, we get a stigma a lot as a freedom school. That, oh, they only focus on black kids. They only work with black and brown babies. Or the books only focus on the experience of black and brown kids. Well, the more and more I see the curriculum, um, I see CDF expanding to, you know, Latinx books, you know, um, mm-hmm. that have a lot of, you know, Spanish and English inside of them. You know, um, I think it was Marisol McDonald and the Monster or something like that. I forgot what it's called. And it's a bilingual text, you mm-hmm. know. So kids are in there, you know. Uh, or uh, Mama and the Alien, I forgot what that one's called, and that one's another Latinx book, you know, where it has Spanish and English, and, you know, I would walk in the classroom, and I would see, you know, servants just saying Spanish words with our kids, I'm like, oh, that's cool, where, where this comes from, I look, oh, it's mm-hmm. a new book, you know, so, and then also, uh, A Morning with Grandpa, that's a book that's focusing on, you know, Tai Chi and yoga, And use an Asian background, or Asian characters to kind of bring that out. And here our kids are learning Tai Chi and yoga and terminology from Asia that talks about, you know, what is, how do you say uh, grandpa in, in Japanese or in Chinese? Like Those things are very important because um, when you talk about the spectrum of learning, the spectrum of literacy, I don't think the spectrum of learning and literacy has a color. I don't think it has, you know, um, a, 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 a racial background. It's for all, you know, whoever wants to engage in it. Whoever wants, and that's the power of literacy, right? Um, whoever wants to engage in it and wants to be a part of it, you know, there's ways that you can do it. Um, and CDF is starting to actually, when I started, has been, you know, doing these particular things to highlight, you know, multiple diversities and multiple struggles of people from all across the world who are usually not highlighted in traditional text. So, um, yeah, so our books are usually chosen for us. It's a great uh, library that's given to us for us to choose from um i want to say over uh, 180 different text selections uh, throughout the entire curriculum and that's including read aloud books dear time books when i say dear time there's a part in our component of the uh day-to-day uh irc lesson slash um classroom structure where kids are given 15 minutes to just drop everything and read
0: okay. and that's
1: what dear stands for drop everything and read and you know, there'll be books in every room that has a book display because every room in our classrooms have a book display and you will see books that will be from a wide range of different texts. So right. you're seeing the kindergarten room you know, uh, Carter G. Woodson, Miseducation Education of a Negro. Like, well, what does what that have the kindergarten room for? That book is way mm-hmm. over their heads. Well, mm-hmm. you'd be surprised. The earlier we expose exactly. it to them, the much, yeah, the much, I mean, you had this conversation. Right. The much more they'll be prone to actually deal with it right. later on in their life, right? right. Especially for those who can't.
0: Oh, yeah, for, for those who, you know, experience it. But um, you're absolutely right. Um, there's no sense in waiting to yes. expose them Yes, no sense of waiting, isms, yes, yes. You know, that yes. they're going to face Because in <laughs> reality, they're, yeah. yes, they're already facing them. They're already so there's know no point. It. Yeah, you go. I mean, they're, they're no at a point. disadvantage, you know, not that's being right. introduced to these isms. That's right, that's the right. These things. So, yes, and I, I agree. A... Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say that
1: I had, like, a situation where one of our staff members didn't understand it and you know but after a time went on and us having that conversation she understood the importance that you know we have to introduce it to them as early as possible right. right there's no way we we wait you know waiting has gotten us to the point where we're at now where our kids are so disengaged to understanding you know the power of racism or you know they don't want to hear it or or i've heard some kids say I don't see color, you know, that are actually African American or brown and black and brown babies that say that, you know, mm-hmm. and it's and it's no guilt towards them and it's no kind right. of towards them. It's just uh, to me, I, I take it, you know, as a breaking the system of learning yeah. and the breaking, you know, yeah. the exposure of learning. Like right. you didn't get it enough or you didn't get it early enough, right? Or yeah. it's probably a combination of both. So,
0: right, right, right. And I'm mm-hmm. so glad that um, the freedom school in general exists and that we also have. One here in Rochester to help our youth in, and um, get yes. them where they need to be and get them what they deserve and what they need. That's right. So thank you right. to the staff right. and volunteers for um, being a part of that mission and vision. So thank I know you. you mentioned Dear. So yes. I know you also have the Read Aloud component. Yes. Um, yes. So can you tell <laughs> the audience more about that and how yes. that uh, ties into your literacy vision? I love Read Aloud.
1: So Read Aloud is actually an opportunity for. Uh, CDF Freedom School programs to actually, you know, bring in um, officials from the community uh, with stature to kind of come to our kids and give them, you know, insight of the power of reading by them reading to the children, right? Um, so our read guests are usually people who are officials within the city. So we've had people from backgrounds of being firefighters to educators uh, to talented writers like yourself um, um, leaderships in education we don't have doctors come read to our kids we don't have um, mentors come read to our kids I don't have previous scholars who used to be in the program who are now you know doing great work to the community come back and read to the kids as well so Right. Uh, read Loud is a time where, you know, we invite guests in to come read to our babies and kind of, you wow. know, show them how fun and how cool reading can be based mm-hmm. upon, you know, not just them being citizens of the community coming to read to them, but wearing their background and wearing their hat what career their shoes that they're in right now yep. to actually, you know, be, you know, to show kids that, hey, I'm a firefighter, but I love reading, you know, <laughs> or hey, I'm a cop, but I love reading, you know, mm-hmm. just to kind of show them, because some of our kids, you know, The superheroes that they love, you know, are usually people that they'll probably never get an opportunity to meet in their life. Mm -hmm. But here we are. We have real life superheroes that you can touch, that you can feel, that you can talk to, you know, and they're in your community. You know, so um, I say I have to say this. Uh, We had a young man who was at a family reunion, a family gathering, and the mayor was there. Malik was there. and Malik was like, hey, you know, um, i seen that shirt. That shirt looks familiar. And he was like, yeah, you came and read to us at Freedom Scholars, at Freedom School, Freedom School. at Freedom School, Freedom School, you read this, this book and you said this and this and the kid was breaking it down, everything yeah. that they said to the point where he was like, man, I got to take a picture with you. Let's take a picture together. They took a picture. And the mom was so excited that, you know, um, her son had a conversation with the mayor at this event that, you know, um, and to her, it meant a lot to her because it was a connection that he made from a read-aloud to now he's making that same connection within the community the mayor recognized my son he knew who my son was you know and that often from him coming to read to the program of freedom yep. scholars mm-hmm. Freedom school uh one morning and those little connections right there who knows where that may go down the road you know right. we, we don't know where that will go but that's that's what starts and you know that's just some of the positives and benefits that you got to read aloud That these actual individuals, when they do come and read, you know, they're always reaching back and saying, hey, how can we help support even further? Or most importantly, you know, um, when we see you out in the community, we kind of build up that connection that we made that could kind of, you know, be a lasting impression forever. And, you know, Jazir was so happy and he talked about it when he came and picked up his actual certificate of completion for the summer and I was like, yeah, your mom sent me the actual picture of you and him taking a taking a picture together. He was like, yeah, I was so happy, and he knew who I was, and it's just like to see that happiness all off Read Aloud outside of the Freedom School, this is why we need Read Aloud in Freedom School, because mm-hmm. those connections that are made outside of it, you know, it's worthwhile, you know, and we don't know, again, like I said earlier, we don't know where that will go, so.
0: Right. That's right. the Read Aloud. That's fantastic, and again, I'm so glad to hear about that, and glad that Um, you're implementing that one question I have the something I always think about um, do the students ever read to each other
1: yes Okay. so during the um, I actually have some footage on that too as well so our classes are set up where Mm -hmm. you know you like kindergarten for instance level ones is k through second grade and some Mm -hmm. of those books that we read in level ones are more catered towards the first second grade and than they are to the kindergarten. Yep. So what do we do with the kindergarteners who so don't mm-hmm. really know certain words or right. can't really break Now some kindergartners we get that can read on that first grade. Mm-hmm. You know, I ain't gonna lie. But there's some <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> they struggle and rightfully so. But the model is meant to be that way because there's a piece that I'm missing and I didn't touch on, which is the intergenerational mentorship piece. And basically what that means is that there's mentoring that goes on from age to age, from class mm-hmm. to class. And everybody's held accountable to bring up the next generation. Right. So um, you would see second graders and first graders reading a text that's more on their end of the actual mm-hmm. uh, content level, uh, the kindergarten content to the kindergartners. And the kindergartners would be sitting there and then we follow along. I've seen this summer, actually, literally this summer where, you know, um, there was a second grader or a first, no, it was a second grader. Who was working with a kindergarten to showing her how to use her finger to kind of glide it across to kind of stay on mm-hmm. on, on top or stay on topic with the the, line, the, the sentence line as she's reading, you know, because when the teacher would call on the kindergarten just to spot a sight word, you know, she would be lost because she's so caught up into the pictures, right? Right. So the, the first or second grader was like, "Hey, you know." I'm gonna show you how you can stay mm-hmm. on topic. You mm-hmm. ever use your finger before to read? And the kindergarten mm-hmm. it was like, no, I never did that before. And I watched, I got a video team that she's showing her how to use her finger to stay mm-hmm. on topic. So I don't know if this is the first time this young girl has seen that. Maybe she forgot it. But yeah. I gotta give kudos to our first and second grade scholar to being able to do that, taking on that role to actually teach a younger child in yeah. the classroom. And Definitely. I've also seen it where, you know, if the kindergarten is not following along, I would see the first or second grader read to the actual kindergarten. Yes. The kindergarten is just sitting there and just listening to the reading as it's going on. Still mm-hmm. holding the book, but listening to the first or second graders. So mm-hmm. yes, that happens all the time in our in our program. I'm um, glad yes, to so, hear that. Especially in the older classes where we break it down when I read those chapter books. Mm-hmm. So like we'll break it down like Freedom School Rocks. Freedom, you guys are going to read chapters one through three. School, you'll read chapters three through uh, four through six. All ah, 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 right, we'll break it down. They have to all report out back to each other. So once we put them in groups, they're working with each other. They're reading to each other. They'll be reading while the other one's listening and that person will stop. They'll take a few pages in a chapter and then that person will stop and then that mm-hmm. person will pick up. But we awesome. always give, we always let them know if anybody wants to kind of pass, we have mm-hmm. more than welcome because we don't want to force nobody. Because like right. I said, I think, I think it's not really phonics and phonic awareness. Our biggest thing is getting kids to fall in love with reading. Okay. So, you know, we get kids that come in that yeah, they are in the grade, they're behind grade level, they're not on grade level, but mm-hmm. um the books and the texts that we read, they fall in love with it, and it gets them to be more excited and a little bit more confident about Mm -hmm. their reading skills, especially if they're struggling with readers. But yes, we have all throughout the program and the curriculum, kids are reading to each other, yes.
0: Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Um, When I was in elementary school, I used to read to other classes, so um, I oh, know that's cool. about that. <laughs>
1: that's cool. That's
0: cool. We I'm, haven't I'm done that, that
1: yet. We haven't done that yet. Um, to let, like, we haven't sent like our level one boys oh, okay. to go read to, but but within classrooms, right. Students will read to each other. That's sure. a great idea that you up, and that's something that we may, you know, do moving forward. Maybe we can let the level threes come read a text sure. to our level ones, right? Definitely, like I encourage that. That would yeah. be cool. Right, yeah, that'd be cool. You know, that'd they listen cool. to
0: each other more than they listen yeah.
1: to us. So, and that's yeah. that intergenerational mentorship, and right, that's why we right. really so believe in that model. Yeah, right. Definitely.
0: So, before we wrap up, I would love for you to share with me and also the audience um, how literacy influenced you as you were um, growing up.
1: Huh. Um, literacy was everything, especially you know, coming from a family that you know was big time spiritually grounded you know the bible was everything you know um a lot of my aunts especially my father's side the newspaper was something that we were always forced to read my dad would ask us to you know read down the abbreviations of the baseball stats and you know i never knew average the abbreviations of A V G until i read the that i was basically reading the newspaper all the time right Mm -hmm. um so reading was huge in my family Uh, that was something that we really really you know uh was accountable for um. Even if the grades weren't, you know, I, I had times where, you know, um, we'd be in the supermarket and, you know, my dad would ask me to read something, you know what I'm saying? I would read it and then, you know, uh, my brother would read it and then he would say, okay, uh, what is what this one say? What's the difference between this one? If you read like certain prices and all that, just stuff like that. Like reading was an everyday thing. Reading was always not just locked, locked lock, lock in to, you know, Text reading. It was a little bit of everything. It was reading signs. It was reading labels. It was uh, you know reading literature, obviously, but it was a little bit of everything. And uh, my dad would be you know I would come home with you know sometimes C minus you know just because I didn't really you know put a lot of effort in you know getting A's, but my reading was really good, and my dad so he was happy with that. As long as, as, long as I can read, as long as my reading was strong. He didn't really care what kind of grades I brought in in the earlier years, because obviously he knew that reading was the key to unlock everything. Right. And as I got better in education, as I got older in education, my reading got stronger. So of course my grades got better. Yeah. Um, so uh, he knew that it was never ever, you know, um, that I couldn't do it. It was more an effort thing if my grades were low, but mm-hmm. he didn't care as long as the reading was high, consistently mm-hmm. from the minute I was able to read all the way until my age now. <laughs> That was his biggest thing. He didn't really care about that, though. No. So and now I can see why, now that I reflect and look at that, because yeah. reading is the key to everything. I mean, reading, if you struggle one thing and you're good at reading, guess what? At some point, you're going to master it. Yeah. You know, so it just takes time, you know. So, but if you're struggling with reading, you may never, ever grasp it. And that right. was a thing that he didn't want us to fall a victim on. But uh, reading was something that was a part of our everyday life. My father spent some time in prison, too, as well. So uh, for years, I used to, you know, be forced to really know who my dad was through his writing to me, you know. Uh, He spent 16 years in prison, so yeah. So his 16 years in prison, you know, um, I was forced to read those letters. So to know who my father was, and to speak highly of him in the neighborhood about a lot of kids who didn't know who their dad was, Mm -hmm. I was forced to be able to read those letters to know who he was. Mm -hmm. And actually have real, real time data to explain who my dad was. So yeah, reading was everything.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, being mm-hmm. our guest and telling us more about pleasure. the Freedom School, yourself, um, your background. Yep. Um, If somebody wants to get in touch with you about the school, uh, where can they find more information?
1: Uh, we're on Facebook, uh, Freedom Scholar LC. Also, uh, you can catch us on um, um, our Gmail, freedomscholarslc at gmail.com. Okay. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Freedom Scholars, Jeremy Smith, Freedom Scholars executive director. So we're all on all social media platforms, except for Instagram. But uh, you can find me anywhere where it's Freedom Scholar involved. <laughs>
0: okay. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Thank you to all the listeners. I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Anchor.fm slash editor knows best. Thank you so much. Be safe and be well.
1: You too. Thank you.
0: Yeah.